0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Thorny's Vinyl. If you're new to this podcast, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, this is basically, this is it, um, and what I mean by this is it, this is episode 39 of season 4. Uh, the next episode is the finale, so this is the last, uh, essentially the last podcast of the season. Um, I mean, obviously I'll have the finale where I give out my my, re, my awards show. Uh, but this will be the last album podcast. It's a good one. Uh, it is definitely a good album to do last. So thank you guys so much for voting this as an album to do for this podcast. But if you're new, thank you guys for tuning in. Go back and listen to all of the other albums of of Season 4. Um, if you don't want to go back and and look, you can listen in to my season finale. That'll be in on June 9th. Um, so listen in to that. See if any of those albums... Uh, pique your interest, and we can go from there. But we'll start out with... I mean, well, not start out. We'll go into today's podcast. Uh, Paul McCartney and Wings, Band on the Run. So what I'll do is I'll run through the artist. I'll run through the album, run through the personnel, run through the track listing, take a short little break, and then get into my song rankings and my album score like I've been doing for these podcasts for the past couple years. So... The artist on this is Paul McCartney and Wings. So I mostly looked at Paul McCartney when I did the artist. So Paul McCartney was born June 18th, 1942, in Liverpool, England. He began performing in 1957, so he was 15 years old, and he's been active since. um, And he was a member of the Beatles from 1960 to 1969, as I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, know. The Wings... It's 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 not the Wings. It's it's technically Wings, but so Wings were formed in 1971 with his first wife Linda and ex Moody Blues guitar player I think Denny Lane. And the wing and sorry Wings played with McCartney from 1971 to 1981. McCartney has sold over 25 and a half million records in the United States. I was unable to find the world. Uh, record sales, but I'm sure that they are very high. He was in, he's was he been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice, once as a member of the Beatles and once as a solo artist. And he also has an Academy Award and 18 Grammy Awards. He's released 26 studio albums and 111 singles. That's, that's incredible. And that's, so again, solo, not including his 10 years at the Beatles. Of his albums on the U.S. Billboard 200, he had 25 top 40s. 18 top 10s, and 7 number 1 albums. In the UK albums chart, he had 24 top 40s, 22 top 10s, and 8 number 1 albums. Of his singles on the US Hot 100, he had 40 top 40s, 23 top 10s, and 9 number 1 singles. And in the UK singles chart, he had 55 top, t- top 40s, 29 top 10s, and 8 number 1 singles. So he is a very, very popular, very, uh, very accomplished artist now Band on the Run. So it was the fifth studio album released by McCartney and his third featuring the Wings. Sorry, the third featuring Wings. Wings. I got to get that in my head. It's Wings, not the Wings. In 1973, so the Beatles at this time had been broken up for about three years, and McCartney had yet to establish himself as a solo artist. After completing a successful tour in the UK in 1973 with Wings, he began planning his next album. Wanting to record outside of the UK, McCartney asked his record label EMI to send him a list of their international recording studios. Of them, he selected Lagos in Nigeria, attracted to uh, being able to record in Africa. And one of the reasons that he chose Lagos was supposedly because he thought it would be a glamorous location where the band could tan on the beach during the day and record at night. However, after Nigeria's Civil War in 1970, it was run by a military government, and corruption and disease were widespread across the country. In August of 1973, the band began rehearsals for the new album at McCartney's Scottish Farm. During one of these rehearsals, McCartney and lead guitarist Henry McCullough got into an argument and McCullough quit the band. And about a week later, in the night before leaving for Lagos, drummer Denny Sewell left the band. So McCartney headed to Nigeria with his wife, Linda, pianist Denny Lane, sorry, Denny Lane was the pianist, and engineer Jeff Emmerich. The band, or the the, the trio, arrived in Lagos on August 9th, 1973, to a run-down, under-equipped studio that only had one tape machine. They would record during the week, and then be tourists on the weekend. While they were there, there were numerous incidents that happened in Lagos. So one night, Paul and Linda were robbed at Knife Point, and one of the valuables stolen included a bag containing a notebook full of handwritten lyrics and songs and cassettes containing demos. Another night, McCartney fainted while recording a vocal after gasping for air and was diagnosed as having a bronchial spasm brought on by too much smoking. And lastly, McCartney had a confrontation with local Afrobeat pioneer and political activist Fila Kuti after he publicly accused the band of being in Africa to exploit and steal African music after their visit to his club. After six weeks in Nigeria, the band returned to London to transfer the tracks and put the album together. Band on the Run was released in the U.S. on December 5th, 1973, and the U.K. two days later. The album peaked at number one in the US and number one in the UK. Reviews of the album were mostly positive. Robert Criscow gave it who Robert Criscow is my go-to album reviewer critic at this time for, for anything really from the 1970s to 1980s. But he graded the album a C plus, writing quote, pop masterpiece, this. Sure, it's a relief after his other albums, but beyond those two, the high points are the title track about the oppression of rock musicians by cannabis crazed bureaucrats and the Afro Soul intro to Mamunya, appropriate from relatives of the Nigerian children who posed for the inner sleeve, end quote. In AllMusics, Al Campbell rated it four and a half out of five stars, writing retrospectively, quote, McCartney's penchant for sophisticated, nuanced arrangements and impressively catchy melodic hooks is up to the caliber he displayed in the Beatles, end quote. The album was nominated for two Grammys in 1975, winning one, and the album certified three times platinum in the U.S. with 3 million copies sold and was ranked number 418 on Rolling Stone's 2012 list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. So now the personnel on the album, So includes. So, Wings includes Paul McCartney on lead and backing vocals, bass, acoustic, and electric guitars, piano, keyboards, drums, and percussion. Linda McCartney on harmony and backing vocals, organ, keyboards, and percussion. And Denny Lean on harmony and backing vocals, co-lead vocals on tracks 7 and 9, acoustic and electric guitars, and percussion. Other personnel on the album include Howie Casey's saxophone on tracks 2, 3, and 4. Ginger Baker, percussion on track 9. Remy Kabaka, percussion on track 3. Ian Horn and Trevor Jones, backing vocals on track 7. And three uncredited session musicians with saxophones on track 2. And the album was produced by Paul McCartney. So now, getting into the track listing. So all of the songs were written by Paul and Linda McCartney, unless noted otherwise. So track 1 was Band on the Run. It was released as the fourth single off the album, peaked at number one in the U.S. and number three in the U.K. McCartney said that he was inspired to write the song based on the ongoing problems the Beatles had with their company while he was a member, and a comment by George Harrison was the catalyst. McCartney said, quote, he was saying that we were all prisoners in some way. I thought it would be a nice way to start an album, end quote. In a later interview, McCartney said that the song was also inspired by the drug bust that musicians went through in the 1960s and 1970s. The track has three parts. The first is a slow ballad, then a funk rock style part, and lastly a country-esque section. All music critic Stuart Mason called the last part, quote, an effortless melange of acoustic rhythm guitars, country-ish slide fills, and three-part harmonies on the chorus, end quote. Paul McCartney and Wings would win the 1975 Grammy Award for Best Pop Vocal Performance by a Duo, Group, or Chorus for this song. Track two is Jet, which was released as the second single off the album, peaking at number seven in the U.S. and number seven in the U.K. There have been a couple stories told by McCartney about where the title of the song came from and what it was about. First, reviewers, as well as McCartney, said that the title came from the name of one of McCartney's dogs, in a 2010 interview, McCartney claimed that he named the song after a pony he had, and the lyrics were random, saying, quote, I make up so much stuff. It means something to me when I do it, and it means something to the record buyer. But if I'm asked to analyze it, I can't really explain what it is. Suffragette was crazy enough to work. It sounded silly, so I liked it, end quote. And in 2017, McCartney said that the lyrics were about his, were about his experience m- meeting Linda's father. Track three is Bluebird. So McCartney reportedly wrote the song in 1971 while on vacation in Jamaica. And Critic John Landau described the song as, quote, a simple love song, end quote. Track four is Mrs. Vanderbilt. It was released as the third single off of the album. However, it was not released as a single in the U.S. or the U.K. The opening lines of the song were inspired by the catchphrase of English music hall performer Charlie Chester. And the forced laughing at the end of the song was also inspired by Chester. And about recording it, McCartney said, quote, It was great listening to the tapes, trying to select the little bit of laughter that we would use. Most of it was us, but we need a little bit to cushion it up. It was great listening to a room full of people laughing in stereo. They were getting into all these laughing bits, and we were on the floor. end quote. Track five is Let Me Roll It. Critics wrote that the song sounded like an imitation of John Lennon, especially the riff and use of tape echo on the vocals. And McCartney said that the vocal, quote, does sound like John. I hadn't realized I'd sung it like John, end quote. Track six is Mamounia. McCartney wrote the song in Marrakesh, Morocco, while staying at the Hotel Mamounia, which means safe haven in Arabic. Author John Blaney described the song as, quote, A bright and breezy pop song celebrating the good things in life and equally as delightful, end quote. Track seven is No Words, which was written by McCartney and Denny Lane and is Lane's first co-writing credit on a Wings album. Track eight is Helen Wheels. Originally, it was released as a non-album single in the UK, but it was the first single off the album in the US, and it peaked at number 10 in the US and number 12 in the UK. About the song... McCartney said, quote, Helen Wheels is our Land Rover. It's a name we gave to our Land Rover, which is a trusted vehicle that gets us around Scotland. Then he continues, The song starts off in Glasgow, and it goes past Carlisle, goes to Kendall, Liverpool, Birmingham, and London. It's the route coming down from our Scottish farm to London, so it's really the story of the trip down, little images along the way, end quote. Track 9 is Picasso's last words Drink to me. According to a 2010 interview, McCartney claimed that he wrote the song while on vacation in Jamaica. He claimed that he snuck onto the set of the film Papillon and met Dustin Hoffman and Steve McQueen. After having dinner with Hoffman, Hoffman didn't believe that McCartney could write a song about anything, so he challenged McCartney to write a song about the death of Pablo Picasso and his famous last words, Drink to me, drink to my health, you know I can't drink anymore. And track 10, 1985. About writing the song, McCartney said, quote, With a lot of songs I do, the first line is it. It's all in the first line. And then you have to go on and write the second line. And then he continues, With this one, it was No One Ever Left Alive in 1985. That's all I had of that song for months. So that concludes uh, the first half of this podcast. Take a short little intermission here. When I come back, I'll give you guys my song rankings, my... Song Rundown, my album score So stay tuned for that Alright, I'm back After that short little intermission And I will go into my Song rankings and my album score So, at number 10 I have Mamunya. So, for this one, I thought It had a very calming guitar intro And it ri- reminded me A lot of Lindsey Buckingham's Sound of Fleetwood Mac this could have been a good closing song, but I wasn't sure. I'm not sure how I feel about it being the side two opener. Uh, and and you know, like I said, it it's a very calming guitar intro. It's almost too calming. If I don't even know if that makes sense, and it does probably doesn't. Almost too calming. I like the part when there's kind of like the dueling harmonies, and you know they were singing different lines but they meshed together well and my favorite lyrics from Amunia were the rain comes falling from the sky to fill the stream that fills the sea and that's where life began for you and me at number 9 I have bluebird so I thought that this was a this was a nice slow song however Paul's voice was just barely like not there for me for this song I will say that the harmonies on this song were very great uh, bluebird is said a little too much for me I feel like it was said every single line And I was just like I understand it's a bluebird, I get it I will say Paul does write good songs Like, I know he says bluebird a lot But he, the lyrics other around bluebird were pretty good The percussions on this song uh, Are also great with kind of like the little clacking sound And this was a great song to put a sax solo in And they did And my favorite lyrics for this one were All alone on a desert island, we're living in the trees and we're flying in the breeze. And thinking about it, I don't know if it makes sense. I don't know if if bluebirds are on desert islands, but I've never been on a desert island before, so I would not know. At number eight, I have Picasso's last words Drink to Me. I'm quite frankly surprised, and you know, obviously, I don't know. I'm surprised that no one else really wrote a song about this story. I feel like it's a really good idea. It would be a really good historical song. But I guess historical songs don't really do that well. Um it was interesting to th- like kind of throw like the jet part in the middle of this song. It was very random and at first it didn't really fit for me. Uh the instrumentals did, but then as it like kept going on and and I was listening to it, I was like, "You know what? There there is a link between these two songs." And and, and I approved of I approved of Paul McCartney and I'm sure he really needs my approval. I approve of what Paul McCartney did there with that. I will say, though, I was hoping for a little bit more story about Pablo Picasso. The ho-hey-hos was also very random at the end, and I, but I said that that one didn't really fit for me. And my favorite lyrics for this, for this one were, Drink to me, drink to my health, you know I can't drink anymore. At number 7, I have 1985, the closing song. So this is, I feel like, the first time, the first song that I like I heard the piano get the lead. And the piano be like the primary instrument. The concluding song pace, you know, I'm very, very picky about my ending songs, my concluding songs. I need that pace to be there. It's not necessarily the right pace and tone for me, but I will say that this is still an interesting song. And I, I have to remember that even though we're in 2022, that this song was written in 1973. So 1985 did not happen yet. The vocals on this one sounded completely different than other, every other song. I think I like the vocals on this one. I feel like I like how Paul like breaks up his songs like throughout like with different paces and tones and has like different parts of songs that kind of just like it's not like just pasted together like it's meshed together very well. I have no idea what this song is actually supposed to be about. It's great instrumental ending that sounds like a finale, and I like the band on the run part at the end, and my favorite lyrics for this one were, Well, I just can't get enough of that sweet stuff my little lady left behind. At number six, I have Let Me Roll It. So the slow bass and then the occasional guitar riffs, I feel like, are what draw me in, and I can understand where they're coming from with uh, saying that he sounds like John Lennon, because I feel this one to me had like that I want you, she's so heavy, vibe to it. Obviously, it's going to be because of Paul McCartney, but I like how the bass is the primary instrument. It's a very simple song that repeats multiple parts, but at no point does it sound like overly repetitive. I thought we were about to get more saxophone at the end. Um, However, I think that was just someone screaming. And my favorite lyrics for this one were, I can't tell you how I feel. My heart is like a wheel. Let me roll it. At number five, I have no words. This one was another. It had another kind of like Beatles feel with the opening harmonies. I like the use of the guitar. It adds such a good sound as the secondary instrument, with the bass being the primary instrument. Like it's not trying to take the lead. It's it's just there to keep the song going along, but in a very very good way. I like the high pitched vocal parts on this song, and this. I think this is track seven. This might be like the first real like wow factor riff that I heard on this album. However, they ended the song with it and it just it just didn't get enough time for me. And my favorite lyrics for this one were, you want to turn your head away and someone's thinking of you. I wish you'd see it's only me. I love you. What a lyric. At number four, I have great. uh, Sorry, I have Mrs. Vanderbilt. This song has a very great pace, especially after uh, the song previous song Bluebird. Great, great pace, and absolute great bass. That rhymes. I didn't mean for it to rhyme, but it does. This song, and, and you know, I feel like I've said this about probably half the song. This one has like that vintage Beatles feel to it, in my opinion. Like that. I don't want to say Ticket to Ride. I'm thinking of a different one, not Ticket to Ride, but it like just that sound to it. Whoever is playing the saxophone and on on tracks two, three and four, they need to be inserted into the band full time and I hope I hope they were. I really do. A great false ending. It happened a couple times throughout the song. And I think so this is track four. This was the closest thing so far to a wow factor riff we've gotten. Obviously there's wow factor riffs later on. And I wonder though like I was thinking like when were wow wow factor riffs like first instituted? like it's 1973 like I know you get them a little bit later on, but I wonder when they were first like instituted. The laughing part on this one I know it was supposed to be based off of like the the Chester guy it just doesn't fit in my opinion but my favorite lyrics for this one were what's the use of worrying what's the use of hurrying what's the use of anything at number three I have Helen wheels obviously this is supposed to be a um, play on words to hell on wheels but Helen wheels. I like the tempo of this song. It reminds me somewhat of like the Beach Boys for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why that chose the Beach Boys, but it does. The vocals, I will say, are a little weak on like the screaming part. Of this uh, on on the chorus. Uh, I will say, was there a little shout out to Band on the Run with the Sailor Sam lyric? This would have been a great song for a Wow Factor riff, in my opinion. It kind of comes at the end of the song. Um, and it came pretty good, but it would have been it would have been good inserted in, in like the two-thirds mark. My favorite lyrics for this one were Got No Time for a Rum and Lime. I wanna get my right foot down, shake some dust off of this old bus. I gotta get her out of town. At number two, I have Jet. This one had a great instrumental beginning to it. And, you know, kinda has like that it, like a slightly ominous sound to it before breaking into like that cheerful chant of jet I mean I don't know if it's cheerful chant is the best way to describe it but it's an alliterative way to describe it I like how this song really has nothing to do with jets which sounds really like a really dumb comment but it really has nothing to do with jets good piano good pianos during the instrumental riff and was that a synthesizer I heard as well I don't know For only three of them really in the band, and you know every once in a while they have like a guest musician, but for the only three of them, they piece the song and the instruments together really well. McCartney is a really good producer. Uh, I I will say they should have had more saxophone. There was just like a one really short part I thought. And my favorite lyrics for this one were "Jet." I could almost remember their funny faces that time you told them that you were going to be marrying soon. And lastly. At number one, no surprise, the title track, Band on the Run. I like the slow, jazzy start with the guitars. Uh, very good harmonies in the first verse, the first part of the song. A really, really nice transition into the second part of the song. However, I would have liked to see those two parts get a little bit more time in the song, uh, a little bit lengthier. I would have been fine with the song being lengthier than it was, but I would, it would have been nice to get have those parts a little bit more. Uh, but I will say that the third part is my favorite part. Obviously, you know, Paul's bass guitar is going to play a very important part in the song. I like the guitar plucking after the chorus, and then the little instrumental break that, that was in that part. And my favorite lyrics for this one were, Well, the undertaker drew a heavy sigh, seeing no one else had come, and a bell was ringing in the village square for the rabbits on the run. So that is my song rankings. We'll get into my album score. So what I do for my album score, I give it scores out of ten based off of lyrics, vocals, and instrumentals. Lyrically, I gave this album an eight and a half out of ten. The songs that I pointed to lyrically were "Band on the Run," "Helen Wheels," and "Jet." Vocally, I gave this this one a seven and a half out of ten, pointing to "No Words," "Band on the Run," "Let Me Roll It," and also "1985." And instrumentally, I also gave it a seven and a half out of ten, looking at Jet, Mrs. Vanderbilt, Helen Wheels, and No Words. In addition to those scores, that's my Dorney score. But in addition to those, I give it a score out of ten on based off of its U.S. and U.K. chart positions. Since it was number one on both charts, it will get a ten. 10 it gets ten points on both scores. And then I also give it a score out of ten based off of its singles. So. This one or this in the US, this album had a, a number one hit, a number seven, and a number ten. It gets five points for the number one, three for the number seven, three for the number ten. That would be a total of 11, however, it can only max out at 10. So it gets 10 out of 10. And then on for the album cover, I gave it a score of eight and a half out of 10. It, I like the album cover of basically a band on the run. So the total score, a very, very good score. Obviously, it's a very, very good album. 85 and a half out of 100. That's very respectable. So we will have to see in next week's finale where that ranks it on, on the best albums of Season 4. So stay tuned for that. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode We and, and really just all the episodes uh, that you've listened to in Season 4. I appreciate people listening to this podcast that I'm not just doing it for myself, even though I thoroughly enjoy doing it. Season five is going to be great, I think as well. Uh, we got a, f- a full schedule already. Albums are already voted. Stay tuned. Uh, in, July, in in August, I will do a season five trailer of some what some of the albums are. But there are great albums listed on the listed on the on the schedule already, and I'm very excited for that. So so thank you guys so much for tuning in. Go follow me on Instagram at Dorney's Vinyl if you don't already. And I'll talk to you guys in a little bit for season finale.